Amen. I'm, I tell you what, you've been standing a little bit. You can be seated. Amen. Turn around, wave at somebody. Tell them, welcome, Grace Point. Happy New Year. Awesome, awesome service. I'm, I've uh, already been so touched by God today, and I know you have as well. Just awesome presence of the Lord, and man, we don't take that for granted. We can't manufacture that, produce that. You can't. Uh, it's just God's grace, and as we respond to that presence, I mean, it's just it's awesome. Thank God for what He's doing. I uh, I wanted to read a. Uh, I can get to it right quick here. A uh, testimony. How many remember when I read some weeks ago a uh, testimony from Sean McConnell? He was one of the House of Grace guys, and he's out in California now. And and uh, I read to you a testimony he had sent uh, me about laying hands on a man that was uh, a do not resuscitate near death, and and how God miraculously healed this man. Uh, that was actually happened in Missouri. And so he just uh, sent this to me right after Christmas on the 28th. Uh, another, uh, he's, a, he's a nurse working in the hospital in California. And he just says, I wanted to tell you another miracle that God used uh, uh, me to work. He said, I heard your sermon the other day, and he listens to us here and probably will listen and is listening to this. But he said that, you know, and I talked about how that the Bible says one of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 is the working of miracles. There's not the gift of miracles, but there's the gift of the working of miracles. The Bible calls it the working of miracles. And we are co-laborers with God. And a lot of times the reason we don't see more miracles is because we don't co-labor with God in the miracles. And all throughout the scripture, even the Old and the New Testament, you see God co-laboring with men. And miracles are the result of that. God just doesn't arbitrarily move without man's participation. So if he's bringing down the walls of Jericho, he asks them to march around it seven times. Uh, you know, whatever God's doing, they would come up on bitter waters and poison waters, couldn't drink it. He told Moses to cut down a tree and let it fall into the water, and the water would be purified. That was a miracle, but yet Moses did something in the natural. And we see it all the time throughout uh, the Scripture. But uh, Sean goes on to write, he uh he said, I, in your sermon, you mentioned that text to tell us that there is no gift of miracles but the working of miracles. He said, well, another miracle has been worked. And uh, he said, I had a patient that was a do not resuscitate. The family came in. His O2 saturation levels were in the low 70s. Uh, and if you don't know, that's not good at all. And uh, we had put him on high flow oxygen. We had him on 50 liters at 85% pure oxygen and that would bring him up only to 90% O2 saturation. He said the family decided to pull the plug, and I've actually been involved in like five of these before. And he said, of course, I prayed right in his ear when I was alone with him, the same prayer that I did in Missouri. And I said, I release healing to you in, in Jesus' name. And he said, I went home at 7.30 a.m., uh, when all of his kids uh, got there at 8 a.m., they spent some time with him and decided to turn off the machines, and they did so at 9 a.m. I came to work that night at 7 p.m., and I went to the room where the man was, and the bed was empty, so I assumed that he had died. Uh, nurses that work the morning shift are usually gone uh, by 7.30 p.m. because they are ready to go home. Well, at 8 p.m., the nurse that I gave uh, the report to that morning, who I couldn't find when I got to work that night, found me. And he said that there was no other reason for her to still be there except I believe God wanted her to tell me what had happened. She said she turned off all the machines at 9 a.m. And, and his blood oxygen levels went down into the low 70s. She said she assumed that she would go and see the O2 levels continue to decrease to the 60s and the 50s, and at some point, then he would die. Well, he started getting better, she said, at 11 a.m. And by 2 p.m., without any oxygen, his uh, O2 saturation was in the 90s. And that's, isn't that amazing? And uh, he, he said his room was empty because they had moved him out of the intensive care, and they had moved him and given him a regular room. Somebody give God praise uh, uh, for that. Um, 
you know, he, 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 I won't read every little single word here for the sake of time, but he, he just said some people may say, well, I don't, uh, that, you know, it doesn't work. But I say, ask those two men that were raised from the almost dead. He said, I bet they believe, and I will always believe. And he's talking about Pastor Keith. He said, Pastor Keith taught me these beliefs, and he is part of your ministry. So all I do is the fruit of the ministry, and I know it is the part of your ministry as well. Thank you for teaching me the true gospel, and take care, sir. And that was from Sean. Amen. And give God one more praise for that. Just awesome. Um, and I, you know, and I wanted us, I, mean, I thought that was just fantastic. And I told him, you know, not only you guys need to hear it, I need to hear that. I need to be challenged by that. And here's a guy that at one time was, a, you know, was receiving the ministry uh, by Pastor Keith and uh, at the House of Grace and was one of the, the guys that went there for help. And God turned his life around uh, through that ministry. And then he became on staff there for years. He was on staff and worked there. And in fact, as I read to you in his letter before, when Pastor Keith got in his uh, traffic accident, very serious traffic accident, Sean actually ran the House of Grace for a while and operated it in his stead. And, and that's just to give you hope, man. No matter where you are, God could turn your life around. He went to nursing school, got his uh, uh, degrees in nursing, and is a traveling nurse. He's been in many different states. They send him where they need him the most and uh, he works mostly in ICU units isn't that an awesome testimony and and now he's putting to action those things he was taught right there in Sparks at the House of Grace and he actually believes that he can just speak the word of the Lord into somebody's ear and say I release healing to you in Jesus name and something will happen isn't that something and he and and, and I, we, we should be challenged I'm challenged by that amen that we don't get in a rut of going, well, it doesn't work. or do, you know, and, and let this 2022 be a year that we're challenged by that in a good way. That we're, you know, the Bible talks about provoking one another in good gifts. And so that provokes me, you know. He, he was writing, he, told, he said to me, you know, that he felt like people are seemingly, you know, in that atmosphere of a hospital in that setting, they're just, they seem to be a little bit more receptive, uh, you know, to prayer and, and to the ministry uh, by the Lord and, but, man, I don't want to have to get in the hospital to be ministered to, right? Um, but I, I just wanted to talk to you out of the challenge of what it is in a new year. Of course, say Happy New Year again to, to all of you. And, and by no stretch of the imagination have the past two years uh, for all of us been an easy time, not as an individual, I'm sure, not as a as church, and not as, uh, as uh, a nation. The pandemic has forever changed our world and we can't deny that and yet here we are today in the brand new year first Sunday of the new year we gathered together uh, to praise God and what a wonderful presence of the Lord that God blessed us uh, with here <coughs> and um, you know many people are hoping that you know and, and me and my wife has already had discussion she was telling me the other day she, you know boy I hope 2022 is better uh, in the previous year, she even put up some little, little things on face on her. You know, some of the things she had texted her mom and different. Where it showed her, I think you put up a little thing where it was showing, uh, you know, her smashing 2021 with a sledgehammer or something, saying, you know, be done with that. Um, and we want we want it to be better. But uh, you know, some people, you know, if they don't have God, they just go well. They hope for the best and pre prepare for the worst. You know, that's kind of the way the world operates. But that's not how we operate as believers because we have the blessed hope and that's what the bible calls jesus he's the blessed hope how can we not have hope if we got jesus on the inside of us so we we, we have him and i got hope amen because i have jesus but i believe that there's a lot of reasons uh that we have to not to get focused on ourselves and just be like what what sean's doing when you're given the opportunity and god will give you that just be an instrument of his of his kingdom of his grace you know covid uh, 19 has changed the world but it has not changed and cannot change God can you just say amen to that can't, it can't change God and, and the, the word of God says and assures us that God is the never changing God now don't get confused by that now God's methodology changes because God don't want us to get in and approach him in formulas and religion uh, God did not leave heaven become a man Jesus to start a religion called Christianity. I didn't think I'd get many on that, but I do appreciate Elder Ken. 
And I, and I don't mean that that we shouldn't say Christianity, but if you go to the truth, and you've heard me say this before, there's no place in the Bible that commands us or even tells us to call each other Christians. Hallelujah. Uh, actually, in the Bible, it says they were first called, Paul said they were first called Christians at Antioch. We take that out of context because that, that was a derogatory remark that people were making and mocking them. The word Christian initially meant little Christ, and they were mocking them. And Paul went on to say the word Christianity, a Christian is only mentioned three, three times in the whole Bible. And never one time is it commanded that we call each other that or that that was a religion that we're supposed to be. What we're called is followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus, believers. Um, and it doesn't make it demonic, you know, and I use the term and will continue to use it. I, I got better use of my time to try to defeat the word Christianity. But I'm just simply saying, if you go to the Muslim nations or you go in a lot of third world countries, and even where I had, had traveled one time when we went into to Bulgaria, a former communist-controlled country, but right on the border with Turkey, and there's a lot of Islamic people there, and, and there was a lot of Islamic people around where we were ministering. But if you go to them and you walk up like you think you're an American and say, do you want to be a Christian, you're not going to get a good response in that nation. Because all they've done, all they know is hundreds of years of Christians trying to kill Muslims. And Muslims trying to kill Christians. And all you did is evoke a, a war in their mind. But if you, got, if you walk up to them and say, do you want to know God? Uh, granted, you may have to define who he is and what his name is. But they want to know God. But they don't want a religion. They've already experienced what they think is Christianity, but, but, but that's not what it is. Paul said, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him do it as a good soldier. Because they were suffering to be called that. They, be, they were being mocked by that. But Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to give us life. And, and, and the, 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 the promise of God never changing is in Malachi 3 and 6 and many other places. But it says it the, the most plain in Malachi 3 6. He says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. And he's, then he goes on to the specific people there in, in, in the last book of the Old Testament that he's writing. He says, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God says the reason you're still breathing air and you're not consumed is because I don't change. That my goodness is God, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so the promise uh, is a fact because his goodness is a consistent reality uh, in the Word of God and in my life and in your life if you, if you receive it. Um, today, as this being the first Sunday, as we enter into a, a brand new year, I just want to tell you just maybe three powerful, what I think are powerful things. And, you know, it's always my heart to encourage you. It's all, and that's what I love about the spirit of prophecy. And the Bible says we may all prophesy. And, and, and I'm not talking about being a prophet and all that, but the gift of prophecy is given to men, and it says for their edification, for their comfort, and, and what else? Remember, there's three things. To edify to encourage, and to comfort. And like I said, who, who in here does not need one of those three or two of those three or all three of those three? We all, because this, we need to be built up. Why? The world's always, it does a good job of telling you down. And that's why when you come to Grace Point, you're not going to be torn down. We're not here to beat you up. The world handles that. We're not here. We, this is, all we have is good news. Bible, the Bible says we are ministers of the, of the good news. Why don't you preach bad news? Because that's not what we're called to preach. It's, it's good news. It's not 90% good news, 10% bad. <clears throat> it's 100% good news. Why? Because God's 100% good. So number one, God still speaks in the year 2022. You know God's still talking. And the Word of God says so. Psalm 33 talks about that. In Psalm chapter 33, verse 5, we'll just start there. The whole psalm is, is awesome. But he says he loves righteousness and justice. This is who God is. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now, if you're running around and thinking there's no goodness of God, you're just not seeing it. You're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. John was talking about this other day, the God that scoops the oceans with his hand. I mean, who, who is this God that would be mindful of us? 
he, verse 7, he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear. The word fear here is, is reverence, the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, we sung about it today, and it was done. Actually, it, it, if you've got a King James or a New King James, you'll see the word done italicized. That means it was added by the translators. And actually what it says here is, for he spoke and it was. And it was. That sounds just like him, don't it? He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. I, you see, people run around and they, 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 they make this statement, and that's why I made it the first chapter in my book, because they just misunderstand it. And I know what a lot of Christians mean by it, and the way you would use that sometimes is probably true for you. But the reality is God is not in control. God's not in control. God's not in control of the earth. But Christians like to say that, particularly in times of chaos and confusion and things they don't understand. And they'll say, well, just don't worry about it because God's in control. God's not in control. The Bible says God's not in control. It says that the Bible says in the New Testament, we know that the wicked one, the devil, is in control. He's called the prince and the power of the air, the, the God of this world. He, God's not in control, but God's in charge. So you don't have to be afraid. God's in charge. And I, and I told you that the best example I know how is the Valdosta Police Department is not in charge of, of the city of Valdosta. But they're in, they're, 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 I mean, they're not in control. They're in charge. If they were in control, there wouldn't be any murders and rapes and all that stuff. And if God was in control, there wouldn't be any of the things that the enemy does in the earth. But God's not in control. We're in control. The Bible says in Psalm 119, God gave the earth to the sons of men. The heavens, even the heavens above, belong to the Lord. In heaven, there's no cancer. In heaven, there's no disease. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no murders. There's no rapes. There's no suicides. But on earth, men can choose and do what they want to do. Now, we're ambassadors for Christ. We are, we're here, you know, we're really here to, you know, ambassadors for Christ is what the New Testament said. And we're here to enforce. We're not fighting for victory. We're here to enforce the victory that's already been won by Jesus on the cross. And we do that by laying hands on the sick, and they shall do what? The Bible says they'll recover. We, we just we stand on the word of God. We stand on his promises. And, and it says that the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. Now, there's wicked people, and there are people that are planning wicked things. But God here is saying that, that his, his ultimate plan, why? Because he's got people here representing him. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Isn't that good news? The second thing is God, he still sins in the year. Not only does he speak in the year 22, he still sins in the year 22. This may seem, you know, as we come through Christmas here, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, listen to this. It says, now in the sixth month, that's a specific time. The angel Gabriel, that's a specific angel, was sent by who? By God. To where? To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That's a specific region and a specific city. Do you know Nazareth had less than 50 people in it? In that area, just a small area there in Bethlehem and all that whole area. To, to a virgin, that's a specific woman. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. That's a specific man. God knows his name. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I want to tell you something. My point here is that God in 2022 knows exactly where you are. He knows where you, what region you're in. He knows what city you're in. He knows what house you live in. He knows your address. He knows you by name, just like he knew Joseph and Mary. Do you believe that? That should bring you some comfort. God knows, God knows you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows what's going on in your life, and he knows what's going on in this new year. And, and, and when he says to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, that, that's, that's, that Greek word there that is translated here, highly favored, is only used one other time in the entirety of the Bible. Now here is translated highly favored, and then the only other place it is used is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. 
And it says, to the praise of the glory of his what? Grace, by which he has made us, here it is, accepted in the beloved. Now, that's the only other time. Here they translate that Greek word accepted. It, it, it's the same word, highly favored. It means the same thing. And that's the only two times that that Greek word is in the entirety of the scriptures. And, and the first time is talking about Mary, and we, and we readily accept that, and we honor her for, for bearing Jesus as a woman. But, but yet we, we, we kind of pull back and, uh, at, at the thought that we're just as highly favored as Mary was. Because the Bible chose, God chose to use the exact same word when he was saying to us that, that he has accepted us into the beloved, and that's capital B. That's into his son, Jesus Christ. And you're accepted in God. You don't have to do anything to be accepted other than believe on him. As many as believed on him, the scripture says, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority. It's what it means to be sons of God. The third thing that God says is he, he wants you to be in health and prosper. He wants you to be in health and prosper. 3 John 1 and 2. Now, you know, a lot of people in the New Year, they're always wishing each other Happy New Year. I hope you have a happy and prosperous New Year. You know that. You've received those kind of uh, encouragements like I have in the last few days. We want you to have a, they, they, you know, so many people say, we want you to have a blessed and prosperous New Year, Pastor Dale. And I went, amen, for that. I mean, accept that. I sure don't want a sick and broke New Year. Somebody says, are you a prosperity preacher? Is there any other kind? Is there any other kind? So I don't believe in that prosperity. Oh, so you just you want to you want a broke preach. You want broke sermons. You want I mean that's ridiculous. The Bible is full of admonition and exhorting us to prosper. And it's not all about money. Prosper in your marriage, prosper in life, prosper in your education, prosper in all those areas. 3 John 1 and 2 says it just as plain as it can say it in the New Testament. He says, Beloved, that's Christians. He's talking to Christians. I pray that you may prosper in how many things? How many things? All things. And be in what? So God wants you to be healthy. God wants us to be healthy. Uh, just as your soul prospers. So God wants your soul to prosper. What's your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. You are a spirit. If you're born again, your spirit is alive unto God. You are, you are made one spirit with the Lord. Right? That's what the Bible says. If you're not one spirit with God, you're none of his. So you're made one spirit. You're joined spiritually to the Lord. What got born again in you was your spirit. Before you met Jesus, you were spiritually dead. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sin. People say, I gave my life to the Lord. No, you did not. You had no life to give him. This is not an exchange. You didn't give him your life. He gave you his. You had nothing to offer God. We had nothing to give God. It's just as I am without one plea. We don't have anything. We didn't have anything to negotiate with God. We didn't have anything to bring to God. We we, our, we were dead. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, it wasn't that God got angry and they needed to be forgiven. It was that they died. In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day God said, "You shall surely die." God did not say, "I will kill you." A lot of Christians re read the Bible weird. God did not say to Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of this tree, I will kill you. God did not say, in the day you eat of this tree, I'm going to be angry with you, and I'm going to be mad with you, and I'm not going to talk with you, and I'm not going to fellowship with you anymore, and I'm going to kick you out of my garden. That's the way the average Christian looks at that whole deal. That's not why the Bible teaches it at all. Well, didn't God drive them out of the garden? Yes, for a purpose, though. He said he, he drove them out of the garden so that he could and place cherubims there so they could keep the way back to the tree of life. God said, unless they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in this fallen condition and therefore live in that perpetual state of death. God said, I'm not going to let that happen in my creation. And it's everything God's ever done is because of love. God, I mean, everything God's done is because of love. And so many Christians, they read the Bible and they just see a God that ain't even, it's the God of religion. It's the God that religions put him out to be. And, and, and they see God as punitive. God's, not, God's, God's a God of life. He says, I pray that you prosper and be in health. And even as your soul prospers, God wants your mind, your will, and your emotions to prosper.
Now, this is a verse that really gets on people's nerves, so I like to read it. In Genesis 26, in verse 12, particularly people that don't like prosperity. And, it, you know, if the poorer you are, the closer to God you are, then the guys at the end of the ramps just should be on fire for Jesus. And I don't mean that mean. You see how ridiculous that is? I was reading an article this week where a pastor wrote, and he was talking about the new year, and he said, you know, and he was basically saying, choose uh, success or significance. And he made it a choice. In other words, you have to choose whether you're going to be successful or significant. And I thought, how, what a ridiculous approach. You, you, you know, and he made, it, he made it one or the other. It's both. You don't think that the Bible says that God wants you to have success? The Bible actually says God wants you to have good success. Now, there's success in this world that they call success that it doesn't produce good, and that's not, that's not the success God's talking about. But I want to promise you that in 2022, God wants every one of you to be successful. In what? In everything that your hands touch. God wants you to be successful. And then through your success in whatever area, you're going to be significant. It's very hard for people to, to be significant in this world without prosperity and success in their life. It don't all have to always be monetary, but that's why Ted Turner spoke to the United Nations. Wasn't because he really had any, uh, you know, need to speak to the United Nations. The guy just started a television station in Atlanta that he inherited from his dad, but he turned it into a super station. And all of a sudden, then, you know, and, and all of a sudden he said, well, let's just have news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And people thought he was insane. I mean, news is at 6 o'clock and at 11, right? When the way I was raised, guys going to have news, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's probably one of the worst things that ever happened to us. Because <laughs> to fill that kind of time, you got to make up a lot of stuff. Hallelujah. Say amen or owe me one. Genesis 26 and 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And it says, and the Lord blessed him. I love verse 13. Look at this. The man began to what? Prosper. And continued what? Prospering until he became very what? See how that gets on people's nerves that don't like prosperity? Three times in one verse, the man began to prosper. Now this is by the Holy Spirit wanting you to know this. The man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. How many sees a little overkill in that? All right, and then for those that say, well, that don't mean it was about money. Yes, it does. Verse 14 says, for he's going to show you what the prosperity was. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. You see how plain that is? Now, God's talking about Isaac there. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This is the ones that God made. God identified himself. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and so God wanted him to prosper. And he wanted the nations to see God's goodness and prosperity through him. You understand that the children of Israel for 430 years had been slaves in Egypt. And in one day, God told them to go to the Egyptians and ask them for their possessions. Can you imagine that? I mean, as a slave, you're going up to the, to the Egyptians that owned everything and said, I'd like to have all your camels. How about giving them to me? <laughs> and, and they did. They said, okay. They, they gave it. And it's like when the, you know, like they was in a fog or something, man. And when they left Egypt and Egypt was there without any money, with all, all the gold, the silver, the, the camels, the I mean, everything, all, you know, the flocks. And they, you know, the, these slaves now took all that with them. And it's like they left, and once they left, they realized, what did we just do? We just gave away all our stuff. And it's like, Pharaoh, go get our stuff back. And so he, 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 he goes after them. And, and, and where does God lead them? Into the wilderness. No Walmart out there. No place. I mean, what are you going to do with the money that you got because there's no place to spend it? But they needed the provision. They needed the, 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 all the things that God sent with them. 
And then they get out in the wilderness, and we know the story. They left Egypt extremely rich. But soon they took that gold that they had got from the uh, Egyptians, and they built a false god, a, a calf with it. This is what immaturity will, will do. It will always turn money into something that you'll start trusting. And, and, and let's say barely making it in the wilderness is not what God's plan is. God, God didn't want a nation of people to live on manna. He wanted them to go into the promised land, to the promises of God, and to sow and to reap and, and, and not to live on manna. And, and we, we, need, we need to understand today what prosperity is and what the blessing of the Lord is. And I know as you, you look at 2022, you're thinking, well, I mean, I don't think there's any of us. Now, I understand that, that God's not working off of our Gregorian calendar. God's calendar is the Hebraic calendar, and we understand that. But listen, we can't get around this here, so there's no point in trying to fight it. But in our culture, this is, a, this is a new year for us, right? And it's hard not to think about that. And we think about this is a new year. And I've already had several people tell me that, you know, what, this is going to be different in 2022. And that's cool, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we understand all the New Year's resolutions. And haven't you seen the commercials shift to weight loss and diet programs already? It's like every commercial now has shifted. And all of a sudden now it's all about, you know, these programs and this and that. And I'm not even, I'm not knocking that and saying that's evil. I mean, don't get caught up in some of that scam stuff, you know. Hey, take these pills, these grapefruit pills. Take them before you go to bed at night and get up in the morning and shake the fat right out the sheets. You know what I'm talking about? Eat like you want to. Still eat cake and pie. Don't worry about it and just take these grapefruit pills at night before you go to bed. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that worked? Uh, but it doesn't. But yet people will still, well, maybe it works. All they need is a few couple of thousand people to say maybe it works, and they'll be, you know, hanging out on the beach somewhere off your money, you know. But the, the, the blessing of the Lord, what, 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 what does that look like? The Proverbs 10.22 says the blessing of the Lord makes one what? Rich. But look what it says, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, I know people's got a lot of money, and they got a whole lot more than I do, but they don't have the joy in the life I got. In the world standards, they're rich and successful, but that's not good success. If you got a billion dollars, but it cost you your marriage in relationships with your kids, what, what good was it? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. The, the blessing of the Lord strengthens your relationship with the Lord. It does not weaken it. And so how you know that the blessing that's coming in life, the Lord's blessing me, well, it's going to, it's going to bless your marriage. It's going to bless your, your, your life. It's not going to weaken it. And, and so in the promised land, God blessed their labor. He blessed their sowing and their, and their planting. And, and Proverbs 11 and 24, 11 and 24 of Proverbs says, There is one who scatters. In other words, he gives, yet he increases the more. And there is one who withholds what is that more than what's right, and it leads to poverty. The Bible says the generous soul will be made rich, and the one who waters will also be watered himself. The Bible's filled with those kind of admonitions and those kind of encouragements to us. And, and, and I just want you to know that you have permission from God to prosper. And don't, don't ever think that you don't. God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. And if you're starting a new year with a new endeavor and a new thing, I mean, God wants you, you've got God on your side. God wants you to be successful in that. God wants you to prosper in that. And, you know, and, and the church has done a lot of damage in some of the ways that we've handled some things. The money subject is one. And, and I was raised on that. You know, if you don't pay your tithes, I mean, God's going to get you and you're under a curse. And that's the reason your kids had to go to the doctor because God had to get the money, you know, from you one way or the other. You, come on now. Y'all have heard that same mess that I've sat under. You know, and I've heard God's going to get it one way or the other. You know, you don't give it to the church. I mean, he'll get it. You don't get to keep it, you know. And it's just, uh, that's, that's, that's manipulation stuff. And, and, and we still got Christians that are running around buying books and promoting books on Facebook about how to get delivered from generational curses. There's no such thing as a generational curse. I, I'm telling you, there's no such thing. Now, you can have a habit, but you can take a little baby that's born in Russia that his parents speak Russian language, and you immediately take that baby and bring them to the United States and give them to two Americans. They're going to speak American. You know what I'm saying. They're going to speak English. You know, you know what I'm saying. But they're going to grow up in this. But it's not... It's not a generational thing. It's an environment. It's, it's culture. It's, it's what you're around. So, but if you've got three, four generations of alcoholics up the hill in front of you, I mean, it's going to be, you know, that's what you know. 
And it's going to be the thing that a lot of times, if you're not careful, you'll turn to. But it don't go around thinking, well, I'm just cursed. I'm just cursed. No, the Bible says that Jesus has delivered us from the curse of the law of sin and death. Jesus broke the curse. He, he became a curse for us on the cross. So you don't have to waste any money in the new covenant. You'll never find a preacher that can preach to you about generational curses from the New Testament. That should get your attention. There's no such thing as that. But you go in any Christian bookstore or go to Amazon or anywhere and type in generational curses and there'll be 50 books on it. And a lot of folks are getting rich off of, you know, using fear and trying to get, you know, and I spent a decade myself trying to break generational curses. I was ignorant of it. I grew up on that. And people told me, you know, you got to break that thing. And then my, my, you know, my youngest son gets sick with a, I mean, sick. He, he, we, at 18, we find out he's got hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That's the thickening of a, heart, a major heart problem. And so I, even at that time in my life, I'm still struggling. I want my, I don't, all I want is my son healed. Okay? I mean, I know what it was to follow the ambulance. I was a paramedic for 20 years, but I followed the ambulance with the lights on all the way to Emory, to Atlanta, with him in it. I've stood at his bed, you know, and said, please don't kill my son trying to save him. Because I watched the monitors and the blood pressures drop. And, the, you know, I watched it drop down 70 over 30 and 60 over, you know, 20. And you, you, you're going you're gonna to kill my kid here trying to save him. And, I, and then I got other, you know, and then I had other preachers and stuff telling him, well, you just, you need to break that generational curse. It's because that, you, you know, you're on your mama's side, y'all come from Cherokee. Native American, you know, kind of deal. So, you know, you got all that witchcraft, all that stuff, so you need to break that. So what do I do? I go to the prayer cabin and pray against all that and confess it and whatever. And nothing changed because it was the spirit of stupid. It's just a spirit of stupid behind that stuff. But it made a guy feel important. Well, you need to break the curse. You know, I believe the Lord showed me he's called all that Cherokee in y'all's blood. If I'd have thought about it, here I am a preacher and I'm falling for this malarkey. But when you're desperate and you want to see your kid healed, you try some stuff, man. Well, maybe that's right. I don't know. I don't know everything. Lord, please forgive me for being part Cherokee. I mean, what, what's that? <laughs> Just stupid. I wasted some good time on that stuff and nothing changed. Because we got to remember Jesus broke every curse. At the cross, Jesus destroyed every curse. You, you know, freedom is a right of a child of God now. You'll know the Son, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth is what makes you free. You, you don't, it, that's what does it, the truth of God. So when it comes to, 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 to prosperity, man, you know, one of the things that happened when man sinned, one of the results of the, of the sin entering into the world not only was death, the Bible said through sin, death entered, but we also got poverty. And, and poverty is not so much a, a number. I mean, I've seen people that, you know, had, you know, be a millionaire really, and yet they lived with a spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty is fear there's not going to be enough for tomorrow or next week. And you live with that, 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 that fear on you all the time. And that's what a spirit of poverty really is. It's not the amount of money you got in your bank account. Because I've seen people, no matter what they had in their account, they still was fearful that there wasn't going to be enough. I mean, my, my, my grandmother, you know, she's with the Lord and knows better now, but she, she was a little girl, but she, her family, she went through the Great Depression. And she knows what it was, and she heard the stories and, and remembers some of it. But what it was like, you know, in, when the stock market crashed in 29 of October of 1929, and, and, and they went into the 30s, and, and it was a horrible time for this nation. And that just wasn't enough. So my grandmother lived the rest of her life always preparing for that again. And, and I love her, and it's the honest God truth. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, my, my, grown, my mom and dad and, and her children would give her sheets, you know, for her beds and, and stuff like that. And, and she would still sleep on a, a sheet that had patches on it. And, and when she died, they'd be like five and ten sets of, uh, you know, bed linens, brand new, still wrapped up in the. In, in, in the closets, and she wouldn't use the good stuff because she's preparing for being without. And she literally lived her whole life that way, and it was sad. And us as grandkids, we didn't understand it, and we would kind of mock her a little bit as kids, you know, because she was just always so 
poor and stuff. I mean, we, we, we'd go out to eat on Sunday, and, and she'd just be taking all the equals and the splendors out there and just napkins. Like, Meemaw, come on. We got you. We'll make sure you got splendor at the house. You don't have to steal all this from the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but she would, you, you know, and it was embarrassing to us sometimes. But she, you just saw that now as, you know, when I got to be an adult, I felt sorry for her. But you couldn't, I just couldn't get her to, you know, come across on that. You know, just to see, it's okay. It's okay to enjoy your life. You know, God's still with us here. But it was because of the trauma that they'd went through. And that can change you. That, that, that can have a, a tremendous impact in your life. And, and so the prosperity that, that God wants in your life, I mean, there can be fearful things that's happened in your life, and it will cause you to have a weird view of your future. And, and if you listen to the wrong voices, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you a problem. That, that's what God was saying when he said, you know, he said, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you turn to that instead of life, Jesus is life, right? And, and so the, the way the church has handled prosperity, and it, it, God give us the tithe. And, and it's, you got to stand every word in the Bible is there because God did it. God, God wants what, what, what you got in there. It is the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Now let me say this to you. The word tithe, and we don't have to take up no offering, so you can just relax. Take your hand off your wallet. Everything's cool. Listen. But the word tithe is first found in Genesis 14 where, where Abram, that will become Abraham, has a, an encounter with, with, actually it's none other than Jesus called Melchizedek. He is both priest and king. He has no beginning, no ending. It's very clear in Hebrews 7 who Melchizedek is. It is, a, it is, a, it is the pre-incarnate Christ making an appearance and an encounter with him. And the Bible says that Abram gave. Everybody say gave. He didn't pay. He gave tithe to Melchizedek. What did Melchizedek give to him? Bread and wine. What is that? Communion. You see these things in the scripture and you see shadows of these truths that are going to be fulfilled in the New Testament. But, but the tithe first appears and it was not, wasn't something that was manipulated. It was something out of a heart of generosity, and, and, and so here, like at Grace Point, you see us talking, we use the word tithe, and some people don't even like that, but listen, we, we, we don't pay tithes. I grew up thinking you paid your tithes like you did your light bill, because you owed it to God, and if you don't, he's going to get you. Really, anybody besides me did that deal? I mean, God's going to get you. None of that's true. I mean, remember, God's already, you're under a curse. And so they go to Malachi, last testament, they read Malachi 3.10, and, and he says, God says, you've robbed me. And he says, how we've robbed you in tithes and offerings? He said, you've robbed me. Not just tithes, tithes and offerings. And he says, you know, the whole, the whole nation of you. And he said, you know, you're, you're cursed with a curse. And, and he said, and so, and yeah, but he's talking to the old covenant people. He's talking to people that was under the law. And under the law, they did pay it. But we're not under the law. But that doesn't make the tithe go away. And Jesus had an opportunity in the book of Matthew in several places to nullify, cancel out, and say the tithe is no more. But he didn't do it. He actually affirmed it. Why does God like that? Because, number one, if there wasn't people, you know, that was giving. Most people like, most people just need a baseline, somewhere to start. Imagine in our taxes if we just said, y'all just give what you feel like. Just pay taxes on what you feel like, you know, the country needs, you know, to keep the roads and the bridges going on. Imagine what kind of roads our roads would be in shape, you know what I'm saying? And I understand the abuse, and I understand all Don't, I, But I'm just saying you can't do that. You're going to have to set them out. Well, with God, to me, the tithe, even under the old covenant, some people say it was 10%. The old, you don't even know the old covenant tithe was 30%. They, they, had, they, didn't, they didn't have tithe singular, tithes a plural. They had tithe for this and tithe. It was a whole different deal. But I have lived my life watching God move in the area of prosperity. And I've seen God prove himself to me in the financial area, especially when I was a young preacher just starting out. And I've, and I've seen it, and I've gave you the stories and testimonies, and I don't have time to do that here right now. But I'm just simply saying to you that, that the prosperity, that there is sowing and reaping, but when the New Testament's talking about that, it's not talking about you do something wrong, God's going to get you with a club. It's, it's talking about the area of prosperity and finances. You read it and see every time that it's talked about. 
twice, in Corinthians and then in James. And it's always in the context of, of, of money. You don't understand that we're all reaping what we did not sow, and that's the life that Jesus sowed on the cross. That's what we're reaping today is his blessing and his life that he gave on the cross. So when Malachi is a preacher in the New Covenant, if you go to Malachi chapter 3 and you try to shove that tithe teaching on people in the New Covenant and make that the way it is, because it says, you know, that there's blessing in the Old Covenant, right? Because he said if you would bring the tithe into my, God said into my storehouse, what, would he say, what did he say he would do? He would rebuke the devourer for whose sake, your sake, he would open up the windows of heaven, and he'd pour out upon you a blessing that you were unable to receive. How many knows that sounds like a pretty good deal? But the deal that God's got for you is better than that. But as a young preacher, I preached the fire out of that because that's what they told me to preach. Because it also says in there that you're cursed with the curse, and even the whole nation of you is cursed, you know, because you've robbed God in the tithes and offering. And so they would hammer down on the curse part. You know, and then they said, if you'll tithe, you know, God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out upon you a blessing, and you won't, and he'll rebuke the devourer for you. All right, now this is what I want you to get, and I've said this to you before, and I'll close with this. But this is what I want you to get, and this new, you want to prosper financially? You're going to have to open your mouth. Because as good as, listen, as good as deal as that sounds, the new covenant's better. The new covenant's better. And I've told you this example. If you come to my house, to my yard, and I have to open a window and pour you out a, a, a glass of tea. Where are you at? Outside my house. Another way of saying it, where are you not at? You're not in the house. If I have to open a window and pour out a blessing, you're in the yard, dude. In the old covenant, they were not in the house. They were not in Christ. They were outside. Okay, and then it said God had to rebuke the devourer. How's that going in your life? You had anything ever to devour you financially? Well, I guess God took the day off that day on your, on your, he didn't rebuke that day for you. Or if you didn't tithe, then he didn't rebuke. You, you see how messed up that gets? What God expects you and I to do now is open up your mouth because you, you have authority. You have authority now. And when you see things coming into your life to trying to devour you financially, to devour your health, it's time for you to open your mouth. You don't have to get weird with it, but just, just again, agree with what God says. Your body starts acting up, you just bend to agree with God. God, by your stripes, I was healed. I declare my healing. I, 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 I declare that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus' back. Even in my own body. I mean, I, I'm not saying this to get you to sympathize, just to know I'm a real dude. I had a horrible night last night. Last thing I felt like doing was getting, coming to church today. I'm so glad I did. And I had an option. I didn't have to. I could have called Johanna and said, it's on you, girl. I hope you got that one ready. <laughs> I, I know how to do that. I could have done it. And, you know, and, and we were already talking about you want 2022 to be the best year. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Whatever I don't I don't know what in the world's going on sometimes, but just heart chest pains and stuff. I've had open heart surgery. I mean, it don't make you feel good. And I'm talking about the pain so much that it continually would wake me up. I'd go back to sleep, wake up hurting in in, in my heart. That's not fun. Did that all night last night. Felt horrible. And then you laying in bed. If you lay in there, you going. I wonder what it is. I wonder. I wonder if that titanium clip they got in my heart's come loose. Because uh, I got a titanium clip in there. Dude didn't even ask me. He put it in while he had my chest open up in Emory. I guess he figured I needed it. But now I'm hurting last night. I'm thinking, I'm just a guy. I'm thinking, I wonder what, where's his chest pain? Where's his heart hurting for? My pulse is okay. I'm not in tachycardia here. What's the deal? I bet that clip's come loose and it's bouncing around in there. So I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I just had to lay there, and I put, laid my hand on my heart. And I say, Father, in Jesus' name, by your stripes, I was healed. I, I, said, and I knew I was going to tell you guys about Sean, <laughs> you know, in the testimony. And I'm sitting there saying the same thing this morning. I said, Father, I release your healing into my body and my heart, whatever it is. First thing I got this morning, I told my wife, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I, I, I've been having a little trouble. I hadn't told you. Because she's got enough on her. But I said, I'm telling you that for a week now, I've been having chest pain at night. I don't know what the deal is. But I want, I, I, I don't, you know, I just want her to help pray, you know. 
I'm just a real guy like you making it through this life, not surviving it, but knowing that I got a promise from God. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not going to go, you know, and give up and just go, to, you know. I mean, I, I can't add a cubit to my statue. I, I just, you, we trust God. And, and, and everything don't always go like we want it to go. And 2022 is going to be a wonderful off-the-chart year for some people. And some people, it might not be that great a year. You might have had 2021 better. All that really in the big scheme of things doesn't matter. You walk daily in your trust with God in this year. And when things come against you and things doesn't go the way, but I just want you to know God's not the author of your pain. He's not behind that. He's not. You're not paying for your sin because Jesus has paid for it. Now, if you make sinful decisions, you're going to have some bad consequences, and I've taught you that. But just don't ever, I, I'm always trying to get you to understand, don't confuse that, that God's behind it, that God's getting you back, that God's making you pay. I mean, if I stick my hand on the hot eye of a stove, I'm going to hurt for days. But it's not God doing it to me. I made a bad decision or even a careless decision. But it doesn't mean God's trying to teach me something or God did that to me. or God. You know, God's not that God. And that's my goal, to always let you to see God in the, in the proper perspective. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, the, it's the lens that we're looking through. It's the lens of religion. It's the, it's the broken, shattered lens of hurt in our life. And we're looking at God through that, and we think God's all jagged and messed up and, 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 and compartmentalized, and he's not. And it's not that God's the problem, it's the, what we're looking at God through. It's our, our religion, it's our experiences, that's our, you know, the things that we've gone through. And that's not who God is. And in my heart, it's for you to see the God of grace. And, and, and the God that really has filled this world with goodness. And there's goodness, man. If you just look for it, it's there. Because why? Because God's there and he's got you there. You're, you're his ambassadors. You're there for Christ. You're, you're there to represent represent God. You're, you're there to, to, to do what Jesus would do. Was he there? And so you, that, that's what, like, Sean's just exercising his faith. He's in, a, in an atmosphere, maybe just a little bit, people are, like he said, maybe they're a little more receptive. But he just, he just believes it now. And he's just like, boy, I believe, you know, all it had to do was work one time for him, man. He's on the path of it. He did go around releasing healing. You know, show me a DNR and do not resuscitate patient. I'll get him out of that bed. Glory to God. He, that's what he was kind of joking with me. He said, I, he said, I heard you say that one time. He said, I bet I'm making funeral home people mad at me, you know, working against their business. You know what I'm saying? But believe in God. And I'm excited for that. And I told him, I said, Sean, keep sending us those testimonies, man, because I said, me personally, I need to hear it. I need to be provoked by that and to, and to just hear, you know, how God's using a guy that at one point was so low in his life and addicted and, and had to go to the house of grace, you know, in that way, and, and yet to see how God, and that should encourage every house of grace guy in here. I mean, that God brought that guy out. He delivered him, give him a new life, give him a, a new career, and he's using him mightily. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. Happy New Year 2022. You know, I used to always, you know, years, I've been doing this a long time now, and every year they'd always, you know, they'd always take the, the numbers and come up with these sayings, you know, you know, uh, and come up, you know, 1998, going to be great, you know, 1997, it's going to be heaven, 1999, don't whine, or whatever, I'm, I don't know, they just, <laughs> you know, 2021, bring your gun, no, I don't know what it is, it's <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking. I, man, I don't need all that cliche stuff. I don't have to make nothing rhyme with the year. Uh, God is still speaking. If you need, well, I wish the Lord would send me an angel. Listen, when will you get an angelic encounter? When you, if and when you ever need one. And the fact that you haven't got one yet means you didn't need it. That's just the truth. You understand that when God sent Gabriel to Mary to tell her she was going to give her an opportunity, she still had to say, be it unto me according to your word. He gave her an opportunity to be the mother of, 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 of God, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. And she said, yes, be it unto me according to the word. I don't understand it. I've never been with a man. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm a virgin. But be it unto me according to the word of God. And at that moment, through her faith, she conceived. And, 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 but nobody else saw that, not even her husband Joseph, espoused. Not, not married yet, but a spouse to be in the Jewish culture, a spouse to be. And so it's audience of one. And I've told you a story a time. Joseph didn't believe it. 
That's why he was going to divorce her privately because if he divorced her publicly, they would have stoned her to death under the law. But he said, I don't believe a word of it. I'm going to divorce you. I believe you stepped out on me. You lay with a man. You're pregnant. Now you're trying to make up this weird story that now God's got you pregnant. I'm not buying it, girl. And so he goes and packing up, and while he's packing up, that same angel was sent by God to Gabriel because he needed that angel encounter. And he's, and, and he's like, Joseph, hey, 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 dude, I'm Gabriel. I told that to your wife. God sent me to you. Unpack, dude. That that's in her is holy and is from God. And then I told you then Joseph had to go down there into the bedroom and say, <clears throat> uh, Mary, I, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't believe you. I'll always believe you. Anything else you ever tell me now, I'll always believe you. I mean, Joseph don't have one word recorded in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? But this is the part I want you to hear. It says, after Gabriel talked to Mary, it said, then the angel departed from her. When he departed from her, she still had to go wash dishes. She would eventually be changing diapers. She was still a little girl from Nazareth. She, you understand? Life had to go on. And now she could run around and try to tell everybody, hey, y'all think highly of me, I, an angel. They didn't believe a word of it. They mocked her. She li Listen, she lived her life with the stigma that she got pregnant and she wasn't even married. That's why they mocked Jesus and said, blessed, you know, you know, beloved of God. You know, we know who our father is, you only begotten. We heard about your mama. You don't even know who your daddy is, boy. Talking about you the son of God. You don't even know you. See, he lived like that. And you notice, notice the interesting thing about God? God didn't come straighten it out. God's never trying to prove to you that he's God. God's just God. Now, God loves you. God's for you. And God's for you in 2022, just like he was in 2021 and 2020. And, and he will always be there because he doesn't change. He'll always be there. And so I just want you to start this new year knowing that. Be encouraged in that. God wants you to be in health. So even if your body like mine sometimes starts acting up, when I was a little boy, man, my granddad would used to tell me. He told me several times, I didn't understand. I know he's going through some stuff. He said, son, I want to tell you this. He said, growing old ain't for wimps. I was like 10 years old, 12 years old. I, I mean, I didn't even have a clue what he's talking about. I do now. I do now. I want to tell you, growing old ain't for wimps. If you ain't tough, don't try it. <laughs> you can tell how old you are by how much stuff you got on your nightstand. Tums, roll-aids, uh, breathing stuff, uh, tissues. You go in somebody's house, they ain't got nothing on their nightstand, they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, going to sleep, you got to have some armament there. You got to have something to get through the night with. You know what I'm talking about? Got your little glass of water, you, you know. It's just, it is, it's just weird. It's a challenge. But what you going to do? And in my heart today, I just said, God, I'm going to put one foot in front of another. And I'm going to go and preach the gospel and stand before your people and tell them the good news of Jesus. I, and I, and I, I literally said, not because I'm great. Not, I just said, God, I thank you. I got one more day to tell them about you. I got one more day to tell them about you. That's, that's it. What am I going to do, quit and stay at the house? I, I, no. You know, I, I don't know what the deal is with everything that, you know, every bump in the night. I don't know. I'm trust God. Man, they got on them songs today, that second song for me, you know, trusting God. And then see my wife, I only know what her whole deal was. See her jettison out of that seat. <laughs> I know this was a, I mean, it just broke my heart in a great way to see her. And I just see, I just saw her fighting for victory and fighting. Did I believe it, God? I, I believe, I'm believing you. Man, we got a lot we're believing God for. We're believing God for our kids. We, we got some things that we, we want to see God do in 2022. And we're going to keep agreeing with him to do those things. Amen? Come on, give God praise. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, as always, I'm going to be down here. My elders will come and help me if more come than I can pray for. But we're always here to pray for you. We want you to know that. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've not accepted Christ, and, man, you, you, you want to talk to us about that, please, please come down here and talk to me. 
I mean, how, how do you receive Christ? You just believe on him. That guy in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And your whole household. That means you're, you're going to have an influence. You're going to call the rest of them to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know him, that's our biggest wonderful miracle to see happen is you to be born again. And we're always wanting that. And we're always seeing that. But you, you come down here, whatever, you want prayer for your body, man, we'll pray for you because we believe in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Amen? And so we love you. God bless you in this new year. Just, just We pray that you know that God wants you healthy. He wants you to prosper. He's still speaking, and he's still sending. Can you say amen? God bless you. We love you. Go enjoy. Like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, enjoy life.